Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 55 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm your host, Nathan Hirsch, and always with me is Jake Slobodnik. Jake, what's cracking, my guy? Oh, nothing much, man. Just watching my alma mater in the Division II NCAA Elite Eight tournament. Shout out IUP, Indiana PA. Um, pretty close game right now. So uh, taking a break from watching that, do this, uh, do our fantastic podcast. Did you say episode 55? Episode 55. Oh God, it feels like yesterday we just started this. Yeah, honestly. And uh, we're, we're coming up on a year here. Pretty much started at the beginning of last season. The first... Uh, season preview podcast was right before the regular season started. So yeah, it's been a blast so far. IUP though, in the tournament, good for them. I wish I could say the same about my alma mater, Duquesne university. We were probably the worst men's basketball team in division one basketball. We had six wins on the year, but that's neither here nor there. I'm excited to start watching these games tonight, but yeah, we suck. So that's besides the point. We're here to talk some buckos and we are one week into spring training and believe it or not, opening day is what? Two weeks from today, two weeks from today. Um, Jake, any initial thoughts? What have, what have, what have you seen 
through this first week of games. Uh, any anything stand out to you? Anything that that you really want to talk about? Well, let's get the elephant out of or in the room out of the way first. O'Neill Cruz doing O'Neill Cruz things. Golfed the ball outside, or that was way probably his shoelaces. He golfed it out um, for a home run, uh, two home runs that is on the uh, on the spring campaign. All he does is hit. Um, highest exit velo by any hitter this spring. Um, so obviously he's making himself a case as to why he should start over Kevin Newman on opening day. I'm sure we'll talk about that as the weeks leading up to opening day come about. Um, Greg Allen's really surprising me. Uh, he's really popping off offensively and um, looking like he's really just fitting in well with the Pirates organization. I had my doubts of him coming into the season. Um, more of a platoon guy with, his previous clubs, not really sure what to think about him, uh, but he's really impressing me so far. I got to watch his home run today at work. Um, he's really impressing me. Uh, Yoshi, still the god among men, along with Ben Gamble. Congratulations to Ben, by the way. Um, gave birth, or, you know, he uh, joined his wife after launching a nuke a few days ago in welcoming their daughter, Delilah. Um, so Ben Gamble and Yoshi Satsugo, still gods among men. Cole Tucker continues to impress offensively, in my opinion. Uh, he's making solid contact. He looks like he looks like how he did at the end of last season. Right now, uh, he's got a 364 average, four hits and 11 tries. He's um, hasn't worked a walk yet, but he's been displaying very good patience at the plate. Um, Diego Castillo really impressing me too. Four for eight this spring with an RBI. Uh, walk two walks. Hasn't struck out yet. Um, so that middle infield race is really heating up. I'd rather start Diego over Kevin Newman any day. Um, I tweeted this out earlier today from BD on Twitter. Uh, Bly Madris is quietly having himself uh, a quiet uh, spring training, uh, very underrated spring training, that is. He's collected a few hits, including a home run. Um, he's been a journeyman throughout the entire Pirates organization. Um, he's... I, I've watched him since he was with Altoona, and he's impressed me thus far. And, I mean, he's... He's making himself quite a strong case to why he should be, at least in the MLB at some point this season. Uh, that's one thing that's impressing me. And Nathan, you might want to write this down because today is probably the first day in forever that I've actually wanted to give props to Mitch Keller. And I'm, yeah, you'll want, I'm eating the finest of crow right now. Comes. This guy, he looks so much better on the mound. Like this is what I wanted to see from him last year. He's firing in high 90 velo reached a hundred today with ease. Um, I was very skeptical after he got hit the other day in the leg. I thought he was going to come out looking scared, looking like last year. But, God, he came out today and fired three no-hit innings um, against the Philadelphia Phillies, which we all know is a very stacked lineup, even if you take out Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos. And he did really well. Um, so I, I have to give all the credit in the world to Mitch Keller. He's looking good, and I think if he keeps this up as we evolve into the opening part of the season, we're going to be very – we're going to be treated to a very fine year – by one Mitch Keller. Um, we have some other initial thoughts and some other players. Um, trying to look here. Daniel Vogelbach scaring me a little bit as well as Anthony Alford. Um, the backup catcher race is as hot as ever. I never thought that would be a competition we'd want to keep our eyes out for, but um, Michael Perez made it interesting yesterday with a home run. Jamie Ritchie is plucking some hits. Carter Benz is doing pretty good. So. <laughs> All in all, I'd say our players are having a uh, very good spring training, Nate. Uh, Nate. So um, I know it's, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Take it as you will. Spring training stats to some people don't really matter as much. But 
overall, I'd say our guys are looking really good. And I think this is, this is going to be the start of the upward trend for the pirates as we evolve into the regular season. Yeah. I really hope you're right about that. And it, it has been refreshing to see, obviously, like you said, really take spring stats with a grain of salt. And obviously, too, uh, there's there's really no pirate has more than 15 plate appearances and no pitcher has pitched more than five innings. So the sample size is extremely small. But they played seven games, won three of them, lost two and tied two. However, you want to judge that. But uh, funny enough, the Pirates right now, 15 home runs in spring training as a team. That is tied with the Dodgers for the most home runs in spring training. You know how, you know how that is. Uh, it's pretty windy there down in Florida. But the Pirates have been bopping here early. And you're right. I do like what I've seen from Cole Tucker. Um, obviously, O'Neill Cruz just looks like the next – the next huge thing to come up in Pittsburgh. He's probably the biggest high, highly, most highly touted prospect probably since Gregory Polanco. And uh, let's not wish that. Let's not wish that upon him, but he's looked really great Two absolute missile home runs. Uh, It's not like he's striking out a lot. He only struck out once hasn't walked yet, but whatever. Um, Yeah. I do like what I've seen from Greg Allen too. And Mitch Keller, I, I definitely want to talk about him for a second because, yes, you said he uh, he looked really, really sharp today. The fastball, upper 90s, that is key for him because he is a guy that his fastball is a little flat. It does look meaty at times. He does kind of groove it down the middle of the plate. He tries to pound the zone with it, which I like to an extent. But when you're pounding the zone with – 98 instead of 93 or 94 that makes an absolute huge difference so i'm the thing with him to keep an eye on is how long he can sustain that velocity um yeah obviously we're we're not even five innings yet in the spring training and he's he's looking really great but uh in April, May, June, July, let's see what that velocity looks like. But for now, obviously, it's a it's a really, really great sign. And if he can be kind of the anchor of the rotation, that will definitely really help the team this year. Obviously, or uh, also, I want to I want to point out that uh, JT Brubaker looked pretty sharp in his one outing so far. Once again, only pitched two innings, but. Struck out three in those two innings. Fastball is sitting at 95. So hopefully he can get back to his uh, first half self of last season and not the second half self. If that's the case, the Pirates have two pretty decent starting pitchers. I would argue that last year, Brubaker in the first half pitched like a pretty solid middle of the rotation guy. If he can be that guy, that would be awesome for the Pirates. Keller, obviously, if he can be a little better than that, that would be awesome as well. And then you fill out the rest of the rotation. Jose Quintana looked like crap, but he's a veteran. He's just working. He's working his stuff out early on. Zach Thompson, um, he's pitched two innings so far. We'll see what he can do. But that's the big thing. I really do think, like, uh, big picture, offensively, the Pirates, they're going to be better in 2022, much better 
than they were in 2021. They are probably not going to be great, but the key between this team being a 60-win team, one of the worst teams in baseball, or perhaps taking a slight step up and winning 70 to 75 games like we kind of hope they can if all goes well, it's going to be the pitching staff. So great, great signs from Keller and Brubaker too. Uh, Rowan's and Contreras pitched today. He gave up two home runs, but I'm not worried about him at all. But um, so far, at least performance-wise, in this first week, I, I'm happy with, with what I've seen. So that's, uh, that's very cool. Um, moving on here a little bit, I definitely want to talk about the – Brian Reynolds arbitration, you know, basically him and the pirates couldn't agree upon a salary for the 2022 season. He's filed for 4.9 million. The pirates filed for 4.25 million, a difference of $650,000, which in the grand scheme is just absolutely nothing. Just a bad look on the pirates. end, I think, what, what are you thinking about the whole Brian Reynolds situation? I think it's really messed up. Um, you look, I mean, the numbers are right there. A difference of 650 grand in the MLB world. That's friggin' peanuts. That's nothing. But yet the pirates can't even for the best player on the team, whether you're, they're going to trade him or not, you got to pay him what he's worth. And I think Reynolds has really proven that he is worth at least 4.9, at least at the very least. But the fact that the Pirates are still being cheap asses and only allowing $4.25 million to go to their star player, if I was Reynolds, I'd be a little offended. I mean, last year he put on probably the best year of his career, obviously better For years sure. to come. But the, like, I don't understand why they can't just – I'm not going to say meet in the middle because Reynolds' proposal is not totally unreasonable, let alone unreasonable at all. I don't understand why the Pirates just can't say, you know what, let's throw in the other 650000 at least for now. You know, that's a one-year deal. And if they, you know, if they wanted to extend him, they can work on that as the season evolves. If anything, that's actually what I thought was going to happen, why we weren't hearing anything with Reynolds in this whole debacle. I thought they were just working out a long-term term extension, but now it just shows it. I mean, it's just the same old song and dance of the Pirates being cheap. Um I don't understand why they can't, like I said, just meet Reynolds at 4.9 million and call it a day. I don't understand why this has to be, has to even go to a hearing, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. I mean, we, this was a risk that everybody understood once the CBA was accepted and the agreement came between the players union and the league itself, that people can get shorthanded like this. And this is exactly what we're seeing. I think that it's reasonable to get upset about this, obviously, but we all have to, we all have to understand that this is something that was agreed upon by both sides. This is this, this risk and this expectation came with the agreement. So to get totally up in arms about it is a little unreasonable, especially given the reputation that the pirates have developed over the past few years. So while in the end, I think it's complete shit. I'm not surprised that the pirates are this. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not surprised at all. And like you said, if you look around all of Major League Baseball, a lot of teams are fighting over a very little amount of money. Uh, you look at like Lucas Giolito, for example, for the White Sox. He filed for $7.5 million. The White Sox filed for $7.3 million. I mean, that is just absolutely pathetic to fight over. 
in an arbitrational hearing. Uh, so yeah, from from a league wide view, this is not this is not that big of a deal. But for the Pirates specifically, I just think, like you said, Reynolds is obviously the best player on this team, and if I'm the Pirates. I want to lock him up long-term. I'm not sure if they even want to do that. They might, for all we know, he might be traded at some point this season because there are a ton of teams that are interested in his services. But if I'm the Pirates, I just don't want to make him angry at all. I don't, I don't even want to risk him not being happy because you know how these arbitration hearings work. The player says, I'm, I deserve this amount of money. And the team is on the other side saying, well, this is actually why you don't deserve this amount of money. And we're going to show you why you don't deserve this amount of money. And they, they play down their players just for the sake of a quick buck. I just don't think it's worth it from the Pirates' standpoint. But then again, they don't really care. Uh, I wrote about this yesterday, and I kind of went in on a on a rant in my article on BucksDugout.com. But – it's just, it's a difference of $650,000, which is absolutely nothing in MLB terms. Um, it's just, you know, Brian Reynolds, he he does have some quotes saying it's just business. He's not mad. But I, I just think it's hard to believe if you're a player, how can you feel good about an organization that that's pretty much trying to put you down to save a few dollars when, like you said, $4.9 million to Brian Reynolds. He was a five-and-a-half win player last season. That's more than a bargain. And the fact that they're just trying to squeeze out every single penny to save, to put in Bob Nutting's pocket, to buy a new ski lift, I know that's easy to say. That's, uh, that's, easy. that's an easy joke to make. But, it, I mean, it, the jokes write themselves. It's just absolutely – it's crazy. And – like I said, if I'm Brian Reynolds, I'm starting to kind of think, well, if if I'm not blown away with an extension offer, which chances are he won't be, then I'm just going to I'm going to spend my time, my years of control in Pittsburgh, and I'm going to test free agency as soon as possible. And once once that happens, as we know, as Pirates fans, then it's game over. He's on another team uh, and add him to the list of awesome former pirates. There's probably an all-star team worth of those players out there now, but yeah, it just sucks. It sucks that they couldn't even get this right. It sucks that they couldn't agree to an amount before heading to arbitration, because at least if that were the case, I would have an inkling of hope that they might get an extension done at some point over the next, you know, three or four years, however long, Reynolds is under team control, but I just think, I just think heading to arbitration makes it that much harder to eventually down the road, reach upon an an agreement. And at this point, Reynolds, he's probably destined to be traded. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but at some point, add him to the list of pirates that get traded for prospects and, you know, same song and dance. So I'm I'm disappointed to say the least. And he's the only arbitration eligible player on this team. And he's headed to a hearing to see if he'll make 
4.9 million or 4.25 million. If you're the Pirates, just just fork up the cash. The team's worth over a billion dollars. Just fork up the cash. But here we are. Um, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. I think one good thing that will come out of this, I think that the arbitration panel will side with Reynolds. I hope. I'm rooting for that. And, and I mean, likewise, it's it's I mean, it's pretty much out there in the numbers. The numbers speak for themselves. They'll look at it and say, if anything, they, I, I would be shocked if they didn't look at the Pirates organization in that hearing and go, you guys are the dumbest group of people I've ever met. It's and, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like this is common. You know, this is simple. This is simple logic. You don't you didn't need all of this to figure it out. Now, if this was Chris Stratton's hearing, which sure. <laughs> they reached an agreement on. But if like Chris Stratton wanted two million dollars above what he what the team wanted. OK, a little different because Chris Stratton is not a he's not your franchise player, whereas Reynolds is. Um, and you it just baffles me even more because you would think coming out of this lockout, with every other small market team at least trying to maybe put in a big offer for a big time star or extending some of their bigger players, even the Rockies. I hate how I hate giving them credit because they're just a mess of an organization, but they at least went out and got some big names. This could have been the Pirates' big PR move to save some face in terms of you know keeping their star player, giving the fans what they want because that's all that's what everybody said over the lockout and even afterward was extend Reynolds. That's all we wanted. But yet the Pirates couldn't even fork that up. But it, like I said, it, it it brings me peace knowing that the arbitration panel will more than likely side with Reynolds. They will probably laugh and spit in the Pirates' faces, and maybe that'll kickstart, maybe by the grace of whatever is above those clouds, it will kickstart something for them to start spending and start being reasonable with their cash. I, I, I just feel so bad that Reynolds has to go through this because this is, this is unreal. The, we shouldn't be talking about this, and – I hear the term file and trial team that, okay, that might work for like lesser known players, but this isn't a file and trial sort of mission. This is, this is just straight negligence. This is straight up boneheaded boneheadedness on the pirates end. And it's it in, in, in a, in another way, it's a PR nightmare because now it just looks like they're, they don't even want to pay the good players. They just want to fork anything or they want to pocket any sort of money that they get their grubby little hands on. And I feel bad for like Ben Sherrington. Cause I feel like in his head, he wants to extend Reynolds. He wants to pay him the money, but ultimately it's Bob Nutting's call. And he's saying no. Um, and hopefully this also leads a riot to get Nutting out of Pittsburgh and get somebody Steve Cohen into Pittsburgh. That would, that would be nice. I wouldn't bank on it really ever. And I wouldn't bank on the, the pirates ever spending money when they don't have to until I see it. I just won't ever believe that it will happen. I just won't. I will never think, Oh, maybe this, this could happen. This could happen. I just, I don't think it's ever going to happen until I see them give out a contract that exceeds Jason Kendall's contract from 20 years ago for the team's biggest contract ever. I just won't believe that it will happen. And I do want to correct my mistake real quick. I did say that uh, I thought Reynolds was the only arbitration eligible player this season, but yes, Chris Stratton also, he settled before going to arbitration, but he was uh, arbitration eligible. Just wanted to cover that up. Uh, Moving on to other matters of saving money and manipulating service time, O'Neill Cruz. Um, So no, no, no official decision has been made yet, but you can kind of see 
the excuses starting to trinkle in pretty much. I think, I think a lot of people would agree that O'Neill Cruz is ready to start the season with the Pirates in Pittsburgh, be called up for the opening day roster, be the opening day shortstop, but we know it's going to happen. He's going to get sent down to AAA. He's going to spend two to three months in AAA in the name of development and quote unquote getting ready. And he's not quite ready yet, but in reality, that's not the case. The case is they want to tack on an extra year of team service. So he's not a free agent earlier. Um, and it is annoying. And you can kind of see now too, that, um, they're talking about getting him time in the outfield, which down the road, I definitely do think that will be the case, but I've been, I've been a fan of taking the approach of let O'Neill Cruz attempt to play shortstop for as long as he possibly can before you absolutely have to move him off. But I can see what's going to happen. He's going to get some time in the outfield probably starting soon in, in spring training, maybe, maybe tomorrow, who knows, but he's going to get some time in the outfield. And when the season starts, he will not be with Pittsburgh. He will be sent down to AAA, and they'll say, well, he needs development in the outfield. He needs more development at shortstop when he's ready now. And it would be nice if the team decided, Hey, O'Neill Cruz, he looks like, he looks like the real deal. Let's give him an extension, which once again, not going to believe it until I see it, but it would be nice. 10 years, $100 million. That seems perfect. It buys out some years of free agency. He would be set up all throughout the first six years of his um, until free agency, first three years, rookie years, three years of arbitration, and then it would buy out four years of free agency. It's just not going to happen, though. He's going to start the year in AAA. He's going to get called up in June, and that's that's going to be that. And it's just it's really sad because we are going to see Kevin Newman, opening day shortstop, probably batting leadoff. He'll probably go, write it down, 0 for 4 with four ground outs to 3 to shortstop, 1 to second base. That's, that's my prediction now. And O'Neill Cruz is going to absolutely light it up in AAA for a few months, but – He's not getting called up to the majors, and it's sad. So, so what do you think about that? You think I'm right? Am I right on that? Unfortunately, you probably are. And I don't say unfortunately because I don't respect your opinion. I just hate the fact that this is the reality of things right now. <laughs> like, What more do they need to see out of Cruz? Yeah, he had one freaking error at shortstop a few days ago for the Pirates, but he made up for it in other ways. He's He is okay defensively at shortstop. His bat is electric. People will pay to go watch him. That should be Bob Nutting's selling point right there to stamp his opening day spot on the Pirates roster is the money. If we're talking money, that's the number one reason. Yep. But I digress. You are right. You are right. They are going to go with Kevin Newman. The Oh, God. They're going to put him at shortstop. You say he's going to go 0 for 4. I'll give him a benefit of the doubt. He'll go 1 for 3 with a, with a loop single and probably three or two strikeouts to his credit. Ooh. Maybe earning a walk if it's a high-scoring affair, but 
well, even that, that I think is a little too much faith in or to put in Kevin Newman. But um, <clears throat> unfortunately, I think that's true. They're going to try to manipulate that service time, um, which is unfair completely. Because I, I think he could win Rookie of the Year. Yeah, um, I feel like a lot of people could agree with that. Um, he's favored heavily by a lot of baseball media outlets to either be a rookie of the year or at least be a finalist. And I mean, for God's sakes, Nate, I don't know how much you see pirates Twitter whenever O'Neill plays, but that's, I'm surprised that we don't see him number one in the trending topic on Twitter just because of all the rumors and the buzz. And like even a, it's so sad when a player can have a seeing eye single up the middle, but yet Twitter is filled with praises for him. And I don't say sad, in a bad way, but like we see that. And then it's just like the pirates just don't care. They're like, in the name of service time, we need to send him down. He's not ready yet. Not, no guys, he is ready. You may, you brought him up last year to make his debut. You clearly saw that he was mostly ready. He is proving day in and day out. Every time he's on the field for spring training that he should be at least on the active roster. Um, but like you said, they're going to go with Kevin Newman. They're going to send a cruise down to to um to AAA to start the year. He's going to decimate down there. Probably earn AAA Player of the Month twice and Player of the, Player of the Week, God knows how many times. And then they'll they'll bring him up and act like, wow, he just got electric. You you know that's going to be the thing they say. They're going to say he just got good. Like no, he's been good. You guys are just playing the numbers game because you're a bunch of idiots. That's pretty much it. But yeah, I mean, it, it is just playing the game of service time. And it's funny that in this most recent CBA that that was kind of a, uh, a point of emphasis in trying to decrease service time manipulation. But that's not going to work for teams like the Pirates. Even if, if, if Cruz wins the rookie of the year, the Pirates get an extra pick. They don't care. They want that extra year of Cruz. It's the, you're right. The sad part is the, the really sad part about this Pirates team is. You know, there, there's actually some players on this team that that are worth the excitement. And the bar is so low for this city, for the Pirates, that if if they just did these few things, if they brought O'Neill Cruz up to start the year, if they extended someone like Brian Reynolds or Cabrian Hayes or even someone like Cruz, if they did just a few of these things, it would add so much juice into – the overall care of baseball in Pittsburgh and the pirates, but they just can't do any of this And They just, they have to save every single dollar they can. And once again, I kind of kind of covered this a little bit in the article I wrote yesterday, but for an MLB owner, it's more profitable to lose and not try than to spend actual money and try to win because if you're the biggest loser, you're still, you're coming out on top revenue sharing. You're coming out on top. You're making a pretty penny and you don't have to do anything. So why would you do anything? These rich guys, they don't, they don't care about the fans. They don't care about winning. They care about being in the green, making some money. And I mean, I don't know who's to say if I was an owner, I wouldn't do the same thing, but the, the incentive to win is just not nearly high enough for these owners. The, at least the, the monetary incentive to win. So, you know, you suck, you lose. It doesn't matter. We keep having these conversations. 
over and over again, whether it's Reynolds, whether it's Cruz, whether it's Hayes, whoever it may be, you look at it. Jock Peterson had a funny tweet uh, talking about these these owners that <laughs> you look at the Dodgers, their payroll is two hundred and seventy million dollars. The Pirates' payroll is thirty five million dollars. So that's what that's four times higher for the Dodgers, more than four times higher for the Dodgers. It's absolutely pathetic. the The system that is Major League Baseball is just it is. It's sickening, especially when you're a Pirates fan. But uh, I guess we can get back here to the baseball a little bit. Um, you got any overreactions for uh, the first week of spring training? Anything you see that, that that's making you either excited or really worried about some players? Well, I mean, we already know my obsession with Yoshi Satsugo and Ben Gamble, so I'll save that for another day. Um, Overreactions. Oh boy. Uh, this is, there's a lot here. I'm going to, let's go with one. Greg Allen is going to be top three in team MVP this year. Wow. <laughs> um, and for the sake of this episode, I'll give two pitching ones. One, Jared Eikhoff breaks the opening day starting rotation. He is wow. four and a third innings through two games. Hasn't given up an earned run yet. Uh, opponents hitting 133 against him. And, he struck out three batters, and so he's he's looking sharp. I know it's still early, but he's looking sharp at least, especially with all with the low standard that was set for him. Yeah. Um, and let's let's just give another one to make everybody hate me even more. Mitch Keller <laughs> finishes in a Cy Young contention. Oh my God! <laughs> I had That's... to give that one. I had to give that one. If I'm eating crow, I'm eating the entire plate. Heck, I mean, I'm 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 with you with Mitch Keller. I don't know about Cy Young, but how about this? How about a sub four ERA for Mitch Keller? I would be ecstatic to see that. Um, as far as Eikhoff goes, I think he definitely has a chance to crack the roster. I don't know if he's going to make the starting rotation per se, but I definitely think he has a chance to be a nice little bullpen piece for the team. And as far as Greg Allen goes – this kind of ties into one of my re- overreactions. I think Greg Allen is – I think he's taking the lead here for opening day right fielder because Anthony Alford is just not it. Alford, 10 at-bats, 11 plate appearances, no hits, seven strikeouts. The guy just can't get the bat on the ball. His career strikeout rate, 37.7%. It's all he does. He strikes out. Allen seems to be better and kind of ties into another overreaction. Michael Chavis, another guy. All he does is strike out. Chavis, 11 at-bats, one hit, six strikeouts. I'm giving Cole Tucker the job over him as well at second base. I really am. Or shortstop, whatever it may be. Middle infield, I'm thinking it's going to be Cole Tucker and unfortunately, Kevin Newman. But uh, that, those are my overreactions for now. And kind of kind of talked about it earlier, JT Brubaker. I think he's he's looked pretty sharp as well. So I think he will break the starting rotation. Probably, probably the team's number two starter, if I had to guess. But yeah, Chavis, Alford, I'm done with them. 
I'm done with them. 13 strikeouts between both of them in 22 at-bats between both of them. They'll probably still crack the roster, but I don't want them in the opening day starting lineup at this point. I like Greg Allen leading off, playing right field, or actually probably Ben Gamble leading off, playing left field. But that's my outfield right now. Uh, Allen in right, Reynolds in center, um, Gamble in left, and then first base DH, Yoshi and Vogelbach. I'm not worried about Daniel Vogelbach yet. Um, he's, he's had a few hard hit balls I've seen and two strikeouts, two walks and 12 plate appearances, only one hit. It was a double, not worried about him. Um, but yeah, that's the first base DH combination, middle infield, Cole Tucker, Kevin Newman, Hayes, obviously at third, Roberto Perez catching. And here's another overreaction for you. I think Roberto Perez Maybe it's not an overreaction. Maybe it's just a general hot take because I kind of thought this before spring training even started. But I think Roberto Perez will definitely help this young pitching staff and maybe someone like Keller in general. I know Keller really took strides in the offseason on his own to get better, and the velocity has shown that so far extremely early here in spring training. But someone like Perez who has caught – Three Cy Young winner award winners in the past. Um, I think he definitely helps a pitching staff out. And I mean, he, he basically, he brings the same thing that Jacob Stallings brings. That's why when Stallings was originally traded, I know a lot of people were not happy about that, but I wasn't that mad about it because they replaced him with Perez, who is basically just another version of Jacob Stallings, probably with a little bit more power with the bat, but uh, Gold Glover, so I'm happy about him. But, yeah, those those are my my two biggest overreactions. I'm done with Anthony Alford, and I'm pretty close to being done with Michael Chavis. I am with you on being done with Anthony Alford. He's had multiple chances time and time and again since coming to the Pirates in 2020. Hell, even when he was with the Blue Jays, he had chances to show that he had major league potential. Uh, he's had some some spurts of brilliance, but he hasn't done anything consistently to show me that he deserves a spot on any MLB team. Really. Um, you can, you can thrive in triple a all you want, but if you can't produce in the bigs and get the hell out, I think it's a little too early to tell on Chavis. Um, he, uh, listen, he had, he was somewhat consistent toward the end of last year spring. You can't really judge their numbers or their, their future based on the numbers they put in spring training because you flash it back to last year. We all thought Tyler Anderson was going to be a shit arm, but then he actually turned out to be somewhat of a decent player um, in the regular season. Ben Gamble, I don't think did too much. Last, oh, well, we got him. We didn't get him in spring training. I'm trying to think of somebody we had in spring training who, um, so wasn't it Todd Frazier who did well for us last year in spring training? Probably. I don't even know. I, I honestly forgot he was on the team. I did too until <laughs> just now, but um, <laughs> But he he did all right. He showed a lot of power. Showed like he could actually be a a good force in the lineup. And then he sucked in the regular season. So you never know what could happen. And I mean, these guys face younger arms. I mean, look at the play, play the teams that we've played. They've thrown a lot of minor league arms that these guys haven't seen. So of course they're going to struggle against them because they don't know what to expect. They haven't done the scouting on them lately. And I think once you get Chavis back into a major league setting when the regular season hits, I think he can actually do pretty well. 
Um, obviously, time will tell, but I think it's too early, a little, I think a little too early to give up on him. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you 110%. Yeah, I'll backpedal, backpedal a little bit on Chavis. Uh, I'm just kind of looking at his stats with the Pirates last year. He had 42 plate appearances, and he had... Well, he batted 357. So, I mean, obviously small sample size and he does have some power potential, but I'm just, I, I, these strikeouts bother me. And I guess, I guess my stock down on Chavis is I don't want to see him in the opening day starting lineup. I think at this point to, to this point, Cole Tucker deserves a chance instead of him because Tucker is better defensively in the middle infield. There's no doubt about that. And if can, if Tucker can match uh, Chavis's offense, then it's it's a no brainer for me. But yeah, no, I mean Al- Alfred, I am. I'm 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 hopping off the ship here, or at least I'm really close. I still think he'll make the roster. He'll be the fourth outfielder, and he still might actually start. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens over these next two weeks, but. Those are those are some early, some early, early, early overreactions. And before we get out of here today, um, just a few other little notes here. The Pirates did sign 34 players to pre-arbitration contracts. That's basically their whole roster, with the exception of a few guys. I'm not reading out all those names. You can you can look look that up online, plenty of places. Um, but yeah, 34 pre-arbitration players. That might be the most ever. I'm not sure, but the um, that I mean that was a formality. So that happened. And looking ahead here at the spring training schedule, let me see if I have it up here. Um, I do not, but I know tomorrow the Pirates resume action after today's uh, five-inning rain-shortened game. The Pirates resume action tomorrow, or if you're listening this today, Friday morning. Friday, the Pirates play the Twins, and they have games all this week. And yeah, like I said at the top, we are two weeks away from opening day. I can't believe it. Um if you would have told me a month ago that the season was going to start on time or pretty much on time, I would have laughed at your face, but here we are. Baseball is officially back. Jake, any last thoughts here before we get out of here? Yeah. To those listening, uh, big things coming in the next week. Uh, we are going to have the pirates new beat writer for MLB.com justice. De Los Santos. He's going to be joining. He's going to be talking the plank with us. Um, talking I think he's going to be on next week. Uh, we might have to touch base on that, but that will be happening. He is, he seems like a really cool guy just in the brief interactions I've had with him. Um, he's having a great time down in Florida right now with pirates camp. Uh, so we're going to get his thoughts on some of the prospects that we've seen his thoughts on, um, on some of the players that the pirates have, especially some returners, what his initial thoughts are. And we're going to get to know him just a little bit more. So if you like this episode and more, don't just be patient. Bigger things are coming here. For sure. And that'll be really exciting because kind of like you said, he he's, he's been there and he's, he's been watching these guys. So it'll be 
really cool to pick his brain and get his thoughts on some of these players and kind of new to the pirates beat. It'll be fun to see, to see what it's like down there and, and what it's like being around the team. So that will be awesome. And I can't wait to have him on Jake. Where can we follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at underscore radio Jake. Awesome. Follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch. That's H-U-R-S-H. And, of course, follow us on Bucks Dugout on Twitter. That's at Bucks Dugout. We will be back next week with another episode. And once the regular season starts, we'll be getting on that usual Pretty much two times a week, post every series, after every series, we'll have our reactions and we'll have pods out for that as well. So exciting stuff. And um, Jake, I'll talk to you later, huh? Talk to you later, man. All righty. Peace out, everyone.